This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker Spine and Orthopedic Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Ciro Randazzo, a neurosurgeon with IGA Brain and Spine in Northern New Jersey in New York City. Dr. Randazzo, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. A pleasure to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. I know we have a lot to dive into, so I'll jump right into the questions. What are the top challenges that you're anticipating for this year, 2022? I think our top challenges as a practice is, at this point, reimbursements keeping up with inflation um, in medicine. Uh, physician reimbursement is the only cost that has not increased and actually decreased over the last several years. So we're going to have to look for ways to be uh, more efficient in our practice and in running our practice and in uh, collecting as we're faced with uh, the same inflation that all other businesses uh, are faced with in the United States and, and throughout the world, actually. Um, there's also significant hospital pressures uh, that continue to mount, including a need to justify any implants that we're placing and um, their cost-effectiveness and uh, relationship to positive outcomes, um, and as well as I feel there's uh, significant um, pressure from hospitals to continue to do uh, surgeries in the hospital setting, uh, but there is every day more and more data that shows that we should continue to migrate our cases to outpatient facilities such as surgical centers when that is possible. So uh, I think we have to look for um, new and interesting ways uh, to bring more cases to surgical centers and um, Unfortunately, Medicare has limited our ability to do that as well, which uh, makes it even more difficult. And so uh, we have to continue to lobby government and uh, Congress to allow us to do more surgeries as outpatient and achieve parity in terms of those payments, which would foster our ability to move those cases. Absolutely. I, I think all are a great point in looking at how you become more efficient and, and really figure out um, how you can kind of keep the um, financials afloat with raising inflation, but not really being able to raise prices as other industries might do. Um, but then also looking at where the um, surgeries are going to be performed and looking at outpatient ASCs, the inpatient hospital, when you have conversations like this and are thinking about what makes sense um, to perform in the surgery center versus the hospital, what are the things that you draw upon um, to really kind of back up your decision to move more cases to the outpatient center, whether it's with the hospital or with the insurance companies that you're, you're working with? Yeah, I think, you know, the most important thing is what we should be in medicine is, is doing cases that can be done in the uh, surgical center versus the hospital improve the outcomes for the patients. It's cleaner care, faster care. Patients love to be able to go home and uh, uh, recover at home. They're happy to hear that there's lower infection rates, um, lower rates of complications in the surgical center, and uh, it also helps us reduce costs significantly to the to the healthcare system by doing many cases in the surgical center. But uh, you know, most patients are very excited when they know that their surgery can be done in a surgical center rather than a hospital. Particularly after having just gone through this pandemic and uh, knowing that the 
you know, they don't have to be in an environment where their uh, risk of being exposed is very high. Absolutely. You know, when you're looking at the opportunities for growth and development over the next year or two, what are some of the areas that you're really looking at for your practice? What could you grow in, and um, how do things look a few years from now if all goes well? Yeah, so for my practice, um, I'm one of the minority now of uh, physicians who are in a private practice model, and it's becoming harder and harder to stay independent as hospitals and large groups acquire or merge with uh, smaller practices. So, you know, our opportunity is we were able to work closely with a, with a surgical center to help uh, increase revenue streams, but we're also looking into other uh, ancillary possibilities, which some are limited, unfortunately, from state or federal laws uh, and what we can do as a multi-specialty practice. But I think those are the opportunities, uh, again, becoming more efficient with our care and streamlining our office and our uh, administrative responsibilities. Um, and we're also looking into the possibility of joining with other practices in, uh, in an MSO to see if we can reduce our administrative costs even further. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And I know, you know, there have been different MSOs sprouting up across the country. And when you're evaluating those kinds of opportunities, um, what's the most important thing that, you know, you look at? Obviously, the financials are important, but what else is is something that really makes a difference when you're deciding whether to make a, a partnership of that regard or bringing on a new ancillary service? Our priority has always been to the patient. And so when we're looking at possible partners, we want to um, avoid any situations where we lose control of our clinical practice. You know, when you partner with other organizations, there should be an impetus for efficiency, but not at the cost of patient care. Um, So that's always our first priority to retain that control over uh, clinical questions. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And Now, you know, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is technology and some of the new platforms that are out there today. What's most interesting to you? What are you really excited about when you think about where technology is headed in the brain and spine space? I think um, the move towards more minimally invasive treatments uh, with equal or improved outcomes and and, um, reduced uh, length of stay is going to make a big difference. Uh, the use of robotics and artificial uh, intelligence and, uh, is going to further improve outcomes. I think it's probably five or ten years off where we're going to really hit the peak and where we have the most gains, but it should help to improve outcomes, particularly from uh, complex spine surgery and spinal fusions. Absolutely. I know both areas are um, just really important in terms of making sure patients are comfortable, but also very, as you mentioned, complex procedures and um, can be costly to the health system as well. And so it'll be interesting to see how um, the procedure develops and in the way that patients can access treatments develops as well. Now, I think before we wrap up, um, what do you see as being the lasting legacy of COVID-19 on orthopedics and spine? I know so much of what has happened during the pandemic, um, both clinically as well as um, just looking at how uh, you know the economy is coming out of it, really has, has an impact on um, 
positions and caregivers. So what do you think the lasting legacy will be on the specialty? You know, I think that um, looking back, it hopefully changes the way we practice if we're suddenly confronted with a similar situation. I think a lot of patients, uh, unfortunately, and and, uh, obviously, importantly, had to have their care delayed. uh, And so there was some prolonged suffering that um, had we had a better prepared response, we would have been able to not completely shut down elective surgeries for such a long period of time. Uh, and, and towards the end of, or more recently in this pandemic, we've been able to find ways to do surgery safely uh, with controlled risk. And so uh, I hope that lasting legacy will be that we can find more novel ways to continue to treat patients that need to be treated while at the same time limiting the effects of, of the pandemic. Absolutely. I, I think that's a really important point because I know, as you mentioned, you know, the um, delays in treatment mean there's further progression along in diseases. And then thinking about, you know, the um, baby boomer population entering into the um, space where, you know, they're they're having Medicare and maybe will need a little bit more orthopedic services. It just seems like they're, um, the, the market is ripe for additional um, procedures and a lot that will need to be done in the, these coming years. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, Dr. Randazzo, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really great discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you very much. Have a nice day.